Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week, joining me at the pub, I have Dennis, who is better known as Can Do Brew on Instagram. Welcome to the pub. Thanks a lot, Andrew. It's, it's, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for visiting me here on this ethereal plane. I don't get too many Pleasure. regulars here. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so you are Can Do Brew on Instagram. Do you want to tell us all a little bit about that? Well, um, it's just that uh, I guess I've been brewing since... Uh, 2013, 2014-ish, uh, brewing but not brewing beer. I started with some terrible cider, hard cider, <laughs> cider. Um, only I liked them. Nobody else did. Um, and then I, I moved up. And I, I went straight into all grain in about 2015, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. So I, um, a little bit about Can Do Brew. Um, the name just just came to me one day uh i think um i was thinking about making a, a instagram page but i didn't really know what to call my page and it just it just flows together can do brew it's it sounds nice and and what that means is i have a physical disability i'm an, a quadriplegic um and so that, that kind of reflect the name reflects that i i brew with a, a physical challenge so that makes uh, brewing is a challenge by itself, but with brewing with a physical challenge is another level of difficulty. But, you know, yeah. I just approach it like I approach everything um, in life. So that's kind of the story about how I came up with the name. That That's awesome. And and you'll, you'll, the stuff on your page is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Thank um, you very much. So I've got to ask, because I love that you went from brewing terrible cider to straight into all grain brewing. <laughs> <laughs> what made the cider so terrible? And then what what made you then go, well, everyone hates these, so I should get into all-grain brewery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just to preface my response, uh, I was always the kid that, like, when they could begin to doggy paddle, they want to jump in the uh, the deep end of the pool. Yeah. That's me. That's me. <laughs> so, so <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, so, like, what was terrible about the cider, I guess... 
I used bread yeast because <laughs> at that time in Mexico there wasn't a lot of 2013 there were I don't know if there were any brew shops mm-hmm. uh, that you could buy ingredients so that was the the thing I could get at the supermarket so that's the reason it turned out it just tasted bready <laughs> and I didn't really have a knowledge of carbonation yeah. so I used like I think it was Perrier bottles uh, Perrier bottles <laughs> because they're a little bit thicker and I they had a screw on cap and uh, I nearly had an explosion so yeah, my wife says, get those out of the refrigerator. <laughs> and I pour them down the drain. I said, no, wait, I'm going to drink those. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it just was like yeasty, bready, and, and, and un- yeah, just horrible. That um, That's amazing. <laughs> but I made it, so I was proud of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And um, refresh my memory. What was your? Say? Oh, why did I jump straight into all grain? Was that your question? Yeah, like how, how do you go from brewing cider? So when you were brewing cider, were you – um, were you like squashing all the fruit yourself? Was it out of like uh, the kits? Uh, no, actually, I found some um, uh, 100% apple juice without uh, preservatives, mm. and I, I just used that. Um, I, I, for, I my Spanish was very basic at that time, so um, I, I didn't know that the the juice that said nectar was the unfiltered one. Mm-hmm. So that was another reason my cider looked like. I mean, it looked like toilet water, really. Um, <laughs> and so it never cleared up, and it just it it's tasted all right, I guess. But yeah. So uh, yeah, so I just used juice from the store mm-hmm. that it was 100% juice and no preservatives. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it you know it fermented. Uh, it was a fermented beverage. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a nice per- fermented. Beverage. It, it did the trick. It had alcohol in, it and it was cold. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. Yeah, Some it days. tastes a little bit like apples and mostly like bread. So, yeah, yeah that that was the story. So, um, yeah, so getting into all grain, like uh, I had a friend who was brewing. Uh, he had a, like a big setup. He was a home brewer, but he had a big setup. And I said, yeah, hey, I want to get into home brewing. Could you show me? And uh, he came over. We did a brew in the bag, and he kind of did most of it because I had absolutely no idea what to do. Uh, so that was my first, and it was a porter because I like dark beers. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I had, uh, because I'd made cider before was champagne yeast. So we used champagne yeast on the porter <laughs> and actually it turned out pretty, pretty good. Yeah. That would make it was, very dry. Yeah. I was surprised a dry yeah. porter. <laughs> um, it was, it was interesting. So yeah. that was not, 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 uh, not a um, transparent beer, mostly murky, but it, t- it had a good flavor. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. That's awesome. So then being, um, being down in Mexico, because I'm, when, I'm, when I'm not in the mystical realm of, of the pub, I, I live in Colorado, and there's a lot of beer and brewing and, and home brewing here. Like, what, what is the home brewing scene like in, down in Mexico? You mentioned earlier that there wasn't any local homebrew shops uh, when you started with the cider. Yeah, yeah, and, and and to also to clarify, there there are still no homebrew shops within two hours, three hours of where I live. Oh, wow. uh, most of most of the things I buy, I buy through shops, but they sell them online and deliver it to mm-hmm. you. So, but like, um, it, I mean, really, it, it's funny because I really wasn't into craft beer. I had no idea about home brewing when I lived in Florida. I moved to. Mexico in 2009 and it was a Guinness actually that the first 
first beer they kind of it was my gateway beer. Yeah. Uh, when, when I tasted the Guinness, I'm like, it tastes so good. But yeah, so the the scene down here uh, in 2013, um, there was a few really good craft breweries that were just starting out uh, around that time, and um, but their beers were really hard to get, except if you live close to the, the brewery. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so I think there was a development of home brewing in conjunction with the explosion of uh, craft beer mm -hmm. uh, in Mexico. So the two went hand in hand and seemed to grow and explode in growth together. So a lot of, as, as it happens everywhere else in the world, that home brewing is popular. Um, home brewers have the dream of one day being a professional brewer, <laughs> you know. So I think that that's the reason they go hand in hand. But yeah. Now it's it's very popular. There, in fact, I live in the state called Carretaro in mm. Mexico, and that state has a um, homebrew club. So um, it, it's in the capital city. I haven't gone yet, but mm -hmm. there is a club and and a lot of groups on Facebook of homebrewers in Mexico. So nice. It, it is. I would say it's. It, the the status of home brewing in Mexico is about where the U.S. was ten years ago. Okay, so about ready for an explosion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that's awesome. So I know you're drinking a porter, which I don't know why I think that's kind of funny for Mexico. Probably because I when when I think of like having a beer in Mexico, it's like very light pilsner. Uh, and all of that. So when when you are like brewing, I mean, do you stick mainly to dark beers, or are you running the whole gamut? Do you do the Mexican lagers? All right, I have an interesting answer. Uh, but let me say, uh, it looks like a porter, but oh. actually, it's a it's a dark check check dark lager. That's I I apologize. You did tell me no, that, and I saw the color. Okay. Like it's a porter. That's okay. It looks like a, it definitely looks like like a Baltic porter or something yeah. like that. Um, but so, yeah, recipe recipe decisions. Um, really difficult for me uh, because I'll, I'll be transparent. I have ADD. Mm -hmm. So in addition to my disability, I have ADD. So it's like I get bored with like the same old thing and like regular recipes. So I always try to like throw a little bit of flair in there. And I have had some crazy ideas. So like yeah I do I, I my tastes run the gambit like I, I really like um, like uh, Belgian blondes and and English pale ales and um, American IPAs and Nipas and um, cream ales uh, things like that mm -hmm. I like red ales um, as well not so much brown ales but I really like imperial stouts. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a storm has just rolled in onto the ethereal plane where the homebrew pub is situated, so the connection between me and Dennis got a little loosey-goosey there, but we're back now. No, I think I, I have data on my phone, oh, okay. so if you can hear me fine, we can go ahead. That that, that sounds great. So um, so you were saying like you, you bounce around on a lot, of, a lot of recipes and you add a lot of flair to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I like... Um... I mean, it's just like food. I mean, beer, my my taste in beer is just like my taste in food. Um, I, and some people are satisfied with with having 
I don't know, uh, the same dish, you know, uh, three times a week. I, I just am the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to beer as well, uh, I've never, uh, that I can think of, I've never brewed a recipe twice yeah. that has something to do with it. However, many of my beers are fantastic, and I say to myself, I need to brew that again, yeah. but I never get around to doing it. But yeah, so it, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think I have ever, I mean, beer styles, as far as beer styles go, I don't, there's, I don't think there's a beer I don't like, hmm. you know, so I'm really open. I, I actually, um, uh, some friends came over yesterday and gave me a hand to brew a saison. Um, I've never brewed a traditional saison. Hmm. Um, I brewed a dark saison, which turned out really, really nice. Um, so, yeah. Nice. So then when you're, because, I mean, I, I used to be that way, like, for the longest time, I didn't repeat recipes. I was just like, I'm exploring this crazy world of beer. Um, it's only really been in the last year that I've, like, routinely been been repeating brewing. Um, but like as you're as you're trying a new beer, are there like certain styles that you gravitate towards? But you're just like, I don't know. In this one, I'm gonna throw in a bunch of cinnamon, and in this one, I'm gonna throw in <laughs> gummy bears. Like, how do you determine what the flair is gonna be? To be honest with you, I think that dark beers are the most receptive to um, experimentation in that area. Mm -hmm. um, because there are such strong flavors in the, in the malts that are used for those beers that you can get away with doing some crazy stuff. You yeah. know, you can, like you said, throw in some cinnamon, throw in some nutmeg. I have, um, I made uh, one with uh, cherries and chocolate and coffee. Yeah. And uh, that was an imperial stout. That's and fun. that turned out fantastic. So, yeah, yeah I, think, I think the lighter beers, I mean, the most creative I've been with, with a... a when I say a light beer, clear, uh, blonde or clear beer, mm -hmm. um, was a Belgian IPA that I added um, fresh um, pasteurized blackberries, mm. a puree to uh, that I had collected or harvested from my neighbor's backyard. Mm. Nice. And um, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> everybody <laughs> loved it. I, I will agree with you. I, I think, to me, with experimenting with beers, you've got to be on either one, either end of the spectrum. You've either got to be, like, pretty dark, and because you're right, like, the, those beers have a lot of flavor that it's going to mask a lot of things. But one of my favorite beers that I make is this Blondale that I just abuse the crap out of. Um, I used it once. I, I was commissioned by a job I had to, like brew a beer but they wanted it to be like a technically very good beer but something that you could experiment with and so i made this blondale that was literally designed that you could add fruit syrups to as you were drinking it so you could like be making you could be making like you and your friend both have exactly the same pint in front of you, but they might be drinking a blackberry blonde and they're drinking a raspberry blonde. So I think like on either end of the spectrum, like when you go like far light and far dark, like that's when you can really have fun experimenting. So, so make sure I understand like it, it you didn't put those ingredients in there 
when you're fermenting, no. you add them after you serve it in a glass. Is that right? Yeah. So the idea was kind of like uh, a Berliner Weiss. Uh, yeah, traditional okay. Berliner Weiss, you could like add fruit syrups or juice to. Um, and like you can do that with champagne, obviously, making mimosa. And so that idea was very much the same. But um, souring scares me, and I didn't want to make a Berliner Weiss. <laughs> Um, and so I was like, well, what can I do? Um, and also I think like Berliner Weiss, like I really enjoy them, but I think that's a more specialist taste of beer. Um, I wanted something like the general population could just like enjoy on its own or with these things. So yeah, I just created this very light blonde ale recipe and then I was buying, um, was it? Amaretti fruit syrups on Amazon, and so as you're drinking your pint, you could like add the different quantities and stuff. Yeah, that that sounds great. It, I mean, um, I, I've heard about you know people that order a beer and then like they'll throw some hops mm -hmm. in there, a lot of hop flowers or something like that to make it a little more hoppy. Uh, yeah. But that's the first I heard about adding fruit. But that's interesting. Yeah, I I, yeah. I I've said it before on this podcast. I do not believe in the Reinheitsgebot. I think it has its place, and beers out of it are amazing, but uh, I like to experiment. <laughs> if they were enforcing the, uh, if they were in German, uh, enforcing the German purity laws, uh, I would be uh, under the jail. I would be under the jail. <laughs> Not just in the jail, but under the jail. I think I'd be burned at the stake, honestly. Yeah, yeah probably so, yeah. <laughs> What's your next creation going to be? Ooh, since I just made the saison yesterday, I hadn't started thinking, but I really want to do something with blackberries. I have, uh, in my backyard, I have uh, three huge blackberry uh, bushes, and they are producing like crazy. I think I have like two kilos of blackberries vacuum-packed in my freezer. Oh, wow. Ready to go. So I, I think I'll do something with blackberries. I was thinking something maybe like a Belgian blonde with blackberries, mm. uh, uh, and I could call it a triple B, blackberry <laughs> Belgian blonde. I like that. Something. I, I, I think it, you I, should I, totally do that. Yeah, I, it sounds good to me. Um, around Christmas time, I, I mean, it's far off, but like every every holiday season, I always make something special. Uh, last year, I made a quadruple, mm. um, and I. Uh, I soaked raisins, dates, and um, toasted pecan wood in spiced rum, and added that in secondary. Nice. And so it was a it was a ten percent quad, and man, that was that was a really good. Nice. That sounds I amazing. I think the, the triple B, the blackberry Belgian blonde, maybe. Very nice. So then, what would be your um, you know as you're formulating these recipes, coming up with flair and and all of that fun mm -hmm. stuff, like what is your thought process for it? Is it you wait for inspiration to strike, or are you trying to you know find a flavor out of the beer that no one's really thought of before? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, like um, I mean, it's it's quite rare that I have my recipe all put together uh, <laughs> the day before brew day. Yeah. it's always like the morning of brew day i put the finishing touches on it because i just i mean there's so much to choose from uh when it comes to malts and and hops and then adjuncts and beer styles it's quite difficult 
for for an average person, and especially a person with ADD, yeah, attention deficit disorder. <laughs> so, um, to make a decision, and yeah, like I mean, for example, I think about things I like, and I I, I don't like get too crazy because I know that I share my beer with my family and friends. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't really um, go too crazy like with IBUs or some crazy ingredient. But I, I try to put things in there that complement the the, uh, the malt bill and the hops, and uh, maybe using fruit in some way or a spice like cinnamon mm-hmm. or nutmeg. Here, here in Mexico, we have a fruit called mamey sapote, uh, and know. it is um, it's quite unique. I've, I've never tasted a fruit like it in my life. The 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 Texture and consistency is similar to avocado, mm-hmm. um, with a little bit more like um, it's more fleshy, like like uh, yeah, it's more fleshy than avocado. However, the the taste it, it, it is so complex. It has a taste of almonds and vanilla, a little bit of chocolate and and some other ones. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, and it kind of looks like when you open it up, it looks the color of sweet potato. Yeah. So I said to myself, that would make a nice imperial stout. I could toast that, like like roasted pumpkin, roasted in the oven, and uh, I think it would be fantastic. So, yeah, they, kind of a combination of, of of different things, but mostly my taste, what I think everybody else would like as well. I, that, that plays a factor, mm-hmm. and um, kind of what goes together with the beer style as well. What complements the beer style. You're much nicer than me because I'm like, well, I like it, so I'm just gonna brew it, <laughs> and then I give it to family and friends, and they're like, why would you do this? So... <laughs> I'm, I'm probably being over diplomatic than I actually am uh, because <laughs> I, probably be, because based on the fact that I make it and I put what I want in it, and just so happens that everybody else likes it. Yeah. So I call myself a diplomat. You know, I just, I, I, I'm trying to be diplomatic and make uh, easygoing for beer for everybody. That's so, awesome. But no, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> As the storm outside blows a gale, we're going to sit in the homebrew pub and have a pint. And so I want to know what beer are you adding to our tap list for us to sup on? It's going to be a good question. <laughs> why don't we do the blackberry belgian ipa why don't Ooh, we do that one that sounds amazing yes let's do that one that does sound amazing yeah that one comes to mind so let's do that awesome and so you've told us a little bit about it but what is kind of the what is the abv of it what is like what are some of the details about that beer i think if i remember right it, it is six ish to seven ish in abv mm-hmm um the ibus i think are around i think they're around 50 i may be wrong but about 50. it's not bad uh so so 50 or 60 ibus um i didn't want to go too heavy because Mm -hmm. i didn't want to i wanted the blackberries in there and the hops to play nicely together yeah um but you still want to get some hop flavor with those adjuncts in there (laughs) yeah 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 so so it was the first time putting that together and so it was I was I was shocked that it came out so well, you know, yeah. Because a lot of variables there. But um, so yeah, I used a. There are many varieties of blackberries. The ones that 
Um, I have in my garden, the ones I use from my neighbor's garden uh, are called Himalayan blackberries. They are mostly considered to be an uh, invasive species <laughs> in most places. Uh, however, I keep them under control and they give me big, fat, juicy blackberries. And That's awesome. So I use those. Uh, basically, um, I, I just did a, a basic IPA malt bill. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I used um, Belgian yeast. I think it was Mangrove Jacks, but I don't remember the one. We can talk about that later. But um, it was a one, the one for triples, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was that one. It's a little bit, it finished a little bit drier. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it was the one for triples. Um, and uh, so I took the blackberries. I um, froze them before uh, and vacuum packed them and froze them. I took them out, let them thaw, and then blended them into a puree. Mm -hmm. I uh, put them in mason jars and pasteurized them. Nice. Um, but I think I didn't do something exactly right. Maybe I didn't have the heat right or the time right. Because the beer finished at like point nine 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 nine, so I think I got something wild in there from the berries. Yeah. Um, so and actually, I was shocked that it, it turned out so well. Yep. But I think even even if it didn't finish so dry, the beer would be really nice. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, so so that's what I did. I added the blackberry puree in secondary, and um, turned a really beautiful color, like a not pink but not purple but somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. and um, had a wonderful aroma the hops were i think i used african queen and southern comfort they're south african hops yeah um i think i used uh i don't remember which one i used i have it on my mm -hmm. recipe uh for for the bittering and the flavor and then uh i think the african queen i used for the dry hopping nice but it turned out really well and we'll be including that recipe in our show notes so you can brew and drink along with us. So awesome. this is kind of a weird question because you don't repeat any of your beers. Because um, normally I phrase it like, oh, what's the beer that you like never again? But you're already, that, you're already doing that. So <laughs> what was the beer that you made? Or maybe it was one of your ciders where you would just say, why did I do this to myself? Oh, oh, it's a, and I know the beer exactly. <laughs> the beer like yesterday. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I was planning an ear. I was planning a stout. I don't really recall if it was an imperial. I love imperial beer, so I, mm -hmm. I don't think it was an imperial, but it could have been. I think it was maybe. Um, but it's supposed to be an imperial coconut stout, mm -hmm. and um, I had um, roasted coconut that I had. Um, I don't remember exactly my process, but it seems like I there was a way that I got rid of the oil. I can't remember some way. Um, but I froze it and then unthawed it, I think, and then they separated. I think that's what mm. I um, But anyway, so I was brewing. It was before I, my system is a grandfather mm. uh, that I have now. But back then, we were living in a small apartment in Cancun, Mexico. And I had a 20... Uh, liter or like basically a five gallon pot 
mm-hmm. a kettle and doing brew in a bag. And so for the burner, I, of course, can't use propane inside. <laughs> so I had an electric burner and um, it could do the mash, but it couldn't do the boil. So I had like a immerse, uh, one of those elements, heating elements you oh, can yeah. immerse in water. Uh-huh. So I used that to bring it up to boil. <laughs> and something happened with that element and it went out on me. Oh, no. I don't know if it was the something happened in the circuitry of the apartment. I don't know, but anyway, I couldn't finish, and I messaged my frantically messaged my my friend, another home brewer. I said, "What do I do now?" He's like, "Okay, cover it, <laughs> and the little hole in the lid, put a piece of tape on it." Uh, okay, I'll do that. All right, that should be fine till tomorrow. So you can get another element, and. Um, <laughs> So I did. So I did that. <laughs> I did that, and, uh, I, and then I did something absolutely, completely irrational and ignorant. Um, I uh, I had drained off the grains to the side uh, in a bucket. Yeah. So I put the bag out. I took the bag out. I had a colander oh, that no. was sits on top of the plastic bucket, and it drained out. And so I thought the next morning it would be a good idea just to add that uh, wort in there, you know, and then <laughs> ferment it. Yeah. I had no, I, I was very early in my. Very, my, very early. Okay. I was <laughs> and, and I like, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah. I can't believe I just did that. I'm not going to. So the thing is, is that I, I thought to myself, well, I'll just boil it. It'll be okay. Yeah. But um, I, I did, I did do the boil. But something had already entered it, and I, I don't know how it happened. Yeah. But somehow it got infected again. I guess it got infected again after uh-huh. oil. But it's just a disaster. But my friend says, don't throw it out. It might turn into the best beer you ever made. Yeah. And so um, I, I let it. I let it go. I actually, I think my element went out at like at the end of the boil. I couldn't finish <laughs> the other thirty minutes. So that's why. I just thought I'll pull it again, but I didn't. I never did. So it just uh, it was uh, it was a disaster. So I let it go, and um, it, it, it was like a sour stout. It turned yeah. out so well. That's um, kind of amazing, that, that was, actually. That was, I mean, despite my despite myself, I made a decent beer. <laughs> <laughs> let that be encouragement to you out there, uh, new new home brewers. You know, I I don't know if I've told this story on on this podcast, but like one of my favorite like professional brewing stories comes from Stone, and it was when they they had released they had the Stone Pale, and they were moving into what is their now brewery. So they were really scaling up from um from what they had to uh to now, and they were brewing the pale, and the head brewer like took a sip of it and was like this this is all wrong like this does not taste right and it was like going through all the numbers and like trying to figure out where they screwed up on their conversion to the new equipment and they were like well just take a breath and drink it again and he drank it again he's like that's actually really good and they're like yeah let's let's put it out and that's how arrogant bastard came into the world <laughs> so i loved stories when shit just goes totally wrong and then i was like yeah but the beer was good so <laughs> yeah and the un- unfortunate uh part is that if if i wanted to remake that beer and it was fantastic yeah uh 
uh, you couldn't do it. I don't. I don't think I could do it. Uh, <laughs> too many. Too many crazy wild variables in there. Yeah. Um, however, like you said, like when you, I took the first sip, when I it, it was carbonated, it was ready to go. It's cold. I was like, oh, oh, what did I do? What is what is this? Yeah. I was like, oh wait, wait a minute. Let me take another sip. And I said, oh, well, that's. Actually, that's pretty nice mm-hmm. uh, because I, in my life, I'd never had a sour beer before. Yeah. So my body was in revulsion at the beginning. <laughs> uh, but then it was like, um, it tastes amazing. <laughs> you have the dark malts. You yeah. have the, the, um, uh, the acidic uh, aroma and, and a little bit of acidity there. Um, it wasn't a full-blown sour. <laughs> But just that little tartness that little, that the little twang. was fantastic. I wonder if yeah, you the inad- twang. I wonder if you inadvertently created the Guinness twang. It could be. <laughs> could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Guinness, if you're listening. <laughs> I, lo- I love, though, that like I ask you your worst beer, and you're like, yeah, it was pretty good, though. I'm that good at brewing. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah got to roll with the punches you know you just you can't take yourself too seriously uh with brewing and and one thing that uh listeners if you're if you're a new brewer something i had to learn uh, it took me a while to learn is there is no never a perfect brew day no every brew day has a snafu or a foo bar yeah uh right and, and so there's always something you screw up I've been brewing for almost six years, all green brewing. Yesterday, I forgot to put the hop filter in the bottom of the <laughs> oh, kettle. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, what is this? Oh, is this a hop? Oh. Oh, damn. Lovely. Hop <laughs> filter. It should be in the kettle. Don't know what's doing here. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean. Yeah. At the end, you make beer, you know? Absolutely. Well, and you know, I I have this thing like to uh, to add a caveat to that though. If you do have a perf- perfect brew day, you've screwed something up in your fermentation. <laughs> if you leave a brew day going, that was the best brew day ever, it's yeah. probably infected. <laughs> yeah, Mur- Murphy's law is going to get you. I mean, you just cannot escape it. Yeah, it's impossible. I know, I always say, like, the relax, don't worry, have a homebrew is the AHA motto. Um, yeah. My motto is something has to go wrong on a brew day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just it has to. <laughs> so, has to. As, as we sit here s- sipping on Belgians, you know, maybe, maybe your terrible sour, that was amazing. What is the name of your perfect brew pub? And what is the vibe of it? What is the homebrew pub turning into today? Okay, so um, um, I don't, I mean, I live, I'll, I'll give you a little background. I live in a very small town. Mm-hmm. When I say small, I'm from a town of 10,000 people, but where I live now is about 70,000. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a bit bigger than my hometown in Florida. However, there's just not a lot of places locally. Most of the time, I have a good friend from the UK um, that has a, a small um, craft brewery here mm-hmm. and we use to swap beers uh, he, he has a new beer he'll bring it by and and I'll he'll say hey taste this for me well, I, I let him I, I say come on over we'll pour a pint and uh, solve solve the world's problems so basically so that 
him coming over to my house um, and exchanging beers is kind of like our our, our own brew pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, I invite friends over, so so my back patio is kind of like a brew pub yes. because I have beer on tap, and uh, it's nice uh, to sit out there and just just enjoy a good beer, a good homebrew, and uh, chit chat and and talk about things that don't matter, <laughs> really. <laughs> that sounds absolutely delightful and if we were going to call it anything would we would we call it the candu brewery or dennis's patio yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i actually my wife uh my wife is very talented in the art area yeah. uh not professionally but but uh um uh and she i i said to her my my love <laughs> uh i need a sign for the back patio yeah to um to, to put up there and she said yeah let's do that so she's working on it so nice. it's going to be a sign out there on the patio and uh, she's also working on a um a sign for the fridge yeah. so whatever's on tap yeah beautiful well everyone come and join me and Dennis on Dennis's patio the Candu brewery and you know, get the sour, get the Belgian, and let's just come and talk about everything and nothing. Let's do that. That sounds good. Um, I just want to say real quick, if there are any homebrewers out there that uh, have physical challenges, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be gl- and they're just beginning in homebrewing. I'd be more than happy to help them out. Absolutely, and I'll be putting your Instagram and everything in our show notes as well. All right, awesome. Andrew. It's been a pleasure. It's been Take a pleasure. Care. Huge thank you to Dennis. Please go and check out his Instagram, Can Do Brew. I'll be putting his IG handle and a link to his account in our show notes along with the recipe. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social, at The Homebrew Pub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at The Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers. Cheers.